listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. And Lord, we, as we come to you today, we confess that so oftentimes we don't put our heart and our thoughts and our mind where we have just been singing, that we would behold you. We would behold you in your beauty, your majesty, your holiness. It's when we get that right and that proper view of you, things start falling into place. And God, I pray that today that you would reorientate each one of our minds, our thinking, our outlook today based on your word, your truth. Your word is truth. Would you sanctify your church Today, through the truth of your word, delivered, we pray, in the power of the Holy Spirit, yes, through a weak man, a fallen man, but a man who desires to proclaim your truth, that desires to live them, often fails. And God, I thank you that I'm in good company, and yet we strive, God, we desire to hear from you. We desire to receive from you. We desire to honor you. And would you meet us today by your spirit through the word as we gather online in this way. We just pray this all in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, it is great to be able to gather with you today. And I trust that uh, you have your Bibles, you have a notepad, a pen, And you can turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. That's where we're going to be a little later on. Uh, There's going to be a number of verses you could possibly be looking up. Another one is Ephesians 6. So Philippians 4, Ephesians 6 are places where you can have your, uh, some markers or something, your finger in uh, the Word of God as we will be looking at those passages as well as some others in a few moments. We were very thankful um, to be able to have some time off in August, and time off was spent, some of it here in Kelowna, but also some of it in Saskatchewan, where most of my and Charlotte's family reside. And um, I'm going to just show you a few pictures from our time away, and this is a picture of Charlotte's family all together in Saskatoon, and this is a pretty rare occurrence to get everyone together for a picture and for a meal together, and so it was so great to be able to be there. During that time, we were also able to attend the church, that char- church in Saskatoon, the church where I started out in ministry, and w- the church where I met Charlotte, and, and uh, through where... Our relationship started and where we were married, um, and that was just a few years ago, you know, and uh, so it was great to be able to go there and worship with Charlotte's family at that church, and uh, then we went off to Regina to see some of my family where a good number of my family members are, are living in, and so it's so great to be able to visit with a little over 40 of our family members during that time, and uh, we also were able to go to a Hutterite colony, a Hutterite colony just west of Regina. Um, some of the uh, folks there are good friends with my parents, and, and so we were able to go and see some of the harvest, and this is, uh, you see the, the children uh, harvesting the potatoes on one side there, and then 
we also see the lentil harvest coming in. And, and this is an amazing thing. Seven brand new combines rolling down the field. It just makes a farmer's heart sing, doesn't it? $750,000 a pop probably for those things. And, and it's just wow, so amazing. And that lentil crop was coming in between 50 and 60 bushels an acre. And I know some of you farmers hearing that right now are going, that was pretty good, and indeed it was, and it was so good to be able to go, but even something that was even more neat was able to have an opportunity, Charlotte and I and my father, to be able to talk and pray with some of their leaders who truly love the Lord and desire to truly honor the Lord there in all that they do, and, um, and so that was really encouraging to be there. And I just want to express my thankfulness to the many who have carried and continue to carry the load um, while I was away, before I was away, and even now. It is, it is so good to be able to leave and to know that things were in good hands. And uh, again, many good and faithful hands of people who were just giving that full shovel. And also to know that God's word was being faithfully proclaimed as um, here on Sunday after Sunday. And, and so thankful for the commitment of those who just serve in so many different capacities. Oftentimes behind the scenes, we want to thank you for that. This sort of thing just brings me so much joy. That I can be driving away with a smile on my face. I can be coming home with a smile on my face from holidays. In joy and thanksgiving, knowing that God is building his church here. And, and that God is doing this work here at Hope Kelowna. It is not us, it is him doing that work. And we get to be um, co-workers together in this great work that God has called us to be a part of. And so it was so good last week to join together and in, in worship in some of the uh, sites and, and also at some of the picnics. And we look forward to next week. Make sure you sign up Wednesday morning. We want you to be a part at one of those locations and to attend together. And then the picnic afterwards is going to be a great time. Make sure that you're paying attention to the e-news and everything that is coming out on that. You know, as the last number of weeks and probably actually the last number of months, six months have rolled along, I'm sure that at times you can be very much perhaps like me. Times where my heart can be heavy. Time where we, can, where, where we I am confused, we're weary, we're disappointed, we can become discouraged when we see everything that is going on. With, with, with all that is going on with the virus and the issues going on all around that and so many different issues, the vaccine and the and conversations and the debates and the confusion over that and, 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 and what kind of vaccine should a person take, should they take the vaccine, all of that sort of thing. The racism we're seeing, the angry mobs, the protests, the pulling down of statutes and monuments going on in Canada and in the United States, the political scandals going on, oh, the rhetoric, the social media circus and the divides that we're seeing and, and, and we see concerns about the government control. There are those and are concerned about what, what seems like government controls and some of the power that governments are taking not only locally in, in Canada here but worldwide, the various conspiracy theories, the questionable kind of news reports and outlets and sources that are out there and oh, such a divide and, 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 and unrest and, and, and debates are going on. And it's dividing. It's dividing families. It's dividing nations. It's dividing workplaces. It's dividing even the church. And it's unraveling, it just seems, on a daily, weekly basis right before our eyes. And it's just like if it could only get a little bit worse and it just continues to keep doing so. 
And at times it can leave a person just fluctuating between anger and confusion, exhaustion, and sadness. Just so many emotions just all over the place. And it just, you become weary. And it's so easy to become discouraged and to feel hopeless. And yet sometimes you have to, honestly, you have to take a pause from it all. And I believe you have to maintain a bit of a sense of humor through it all as well. As humor can be a good release. And uh, even as we are hearing so much these days, it would see in so many opinions and the division and the studies and the debates about mask wearing, I thought we should just take a look at this, the ventriloquist here. Well, at least ventriloquism, if I can say it correctly, got easier. And I guess it, it has. And, and then perhaps some of you seen this one too. And, uh, and it's like, and, and if we just couldn't, you know, if things couldn't get any worse, I think we could all agree that if 2020 was a scented candle, this is what it'd be. Uh, would it be a whole group of burning outhouses? Indeed, it has been a crazy, odd and very strange, unprecedented year for our world, 2020 has. And yet, I want to say this cautiously. I want to say it carefully. And I don't want to belittle what has happened. I don't want to belittle what you are experiencing, what has been happening in the last six months in our world, as there have been many who have been struggling and today continue to struggle greatly. People who have lost so much in this. And yet, this is what I say softly and carefully, but I need to say it. This is still a mild catastrophe, relatively speaking. It's real, but it's also mild compared to some of the things that have taken place in past generations and centuries in our world, but it's also mild as we look at the Word of God and what is yet to come for this tired and troubled world. We ain't seen nothing yet. This world, hopefully we won't see it, but this world ain't seen nothing yet. And in so many ways, 2020 has been almost like a dress rehearsal, I think, for this world, for society, for culture. Or it's like a fire drill of what is yet to come. It's preparation. And these last six months, as we've been working through this, I ask you today, how are you doing in this? How are we doing? How is Hope Bible Church doing? And it is absolutely vital that we turn to the Word of God God's word is the only source of real truth, of hopeful news that, that reads our lives and our hearts and our society rightly and correctly. And that's why we need to turn to God's word for hope and for help. And, and God's word is also a litmus test in looking at our lives, in examining to see where we're at. While I was on vacation and then since returning from vacation, there have been two statements that have just been growing and building in my own heart and in my life, and I've been sharing it with, with those around me, those here in leadership at the church. And I believe that these statements, these words, are God's direction for me personally, for you personally, and for us as a church. And I trust and I pray and I believe that, that these statements will be rallying cries for us individually, for our families, and for us as a church, that we would move forward in God's power, in God's truth, in God's strength. And I encourage you to write down these statements as I trust that these will be very important statements that we won't just refer to today, but we will be, be allowing these truths and these questions, not, not so much a question, but these statements to cause questions in our life and, and where we're at in, in regards to this. And, and, and here we go, write this down. Here are these important words, stand firm, stand firm. And the second one is 
in the, it, the mission marches on. God's mission marches on. We're going to stand firm, and while we're standing firm, we also have to understand that God's mission marches on. And you see, there are certain things in areas that we are to stand firm in, and yet there's also, we are responsible for fulfilling not our mission, but His mission, God's mission that He has given to us. I encourage you to write down this reference, look it up this week, write, the, write it out, and, and you'll even see it on the screen right now, but we'll probably cover it too fast before you write it all down. But listen to this, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my brothers, therefore, Hope Bible Church, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord... Your work in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Steadfast, immovable, but always abounding. Standing firm, but on mission for God. And for a few moments today, I want to unpack these. And the first one we're going to start with is the mission marches on. And, and then we'll get to, later on in, in the message here, to the uh, first aspect of standing firm. But when it comes to the mission marching on, I encourage you to write down Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And Matthew 28, these are key verses reminding us of the mission. In Matthew 16, Jesus said, I am building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Notice in your Bible when you look that up, if you look it up even quickly right now, you're not going to find an asterisk there. You're not going to find an exception clause that Jesus is building his church, oh, asterisks, except when there's a global virus or pandemic going on, or a, as some of you may even refer to it as a pandemic going on. Then when that happens, God's, God's work gets put, gets put on hold. Absolutely not. No, Jesus is building his church, and the gates and the forces of evil and hell will not prevail against it. And we are to join him in that work. And so we press on. The mission marches on. In Matthew chapter 28, in the Great Commission, verses 19 and 20, Jesus said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And then he reminds us, and don't forget, I am with you always. If we are in Christ, if we have been redeemed, if our sins have been forgiven, and we are adopted into his family, if he is our Lord and our Savior, if the Holy Spirit of Jesus indwells in us, then there is a new authority structure and standard in our lives. There is a new direction, there is a new mission, and it comes along with new ambitions. We are guarded and guided by God's word, by, his, by the power of his spirit, and, and we are not to be guided and guarded and affected by culture, by opinion polls, not by our own fleshly desires, even though oftentimes we are. And this is why we need a reality check. We need a smelling salt. We need a wake-up call. We, don't follow, we are not to follow in our lives the path of least resistance, even though we do and we're tempted to do so. No, we are to get after God's mission that he has for us. You see, in response to God's love and grace, we are called, we are compelled to live out God's mission for our lives. And our primary mission or ambition in our life is not to be, it's not our careers, it's, it's not about making stashes and stashes of money, it's not about a great retirement plan, it's not about being successful or popular or having a good following in the eyes of people. It's not even to provide, and, and you may be shocked by this, your primary mission 
and passion and ambition in life isn't to provide a good lifestyle and an education for your children. Now, all of these, what I just described, they can be good things, great things. But you know what? Even our primary goal or mission is not even to try to convince or expose or uncover the lies and the covers up, the cover up or the misinformation or the conspiracy theories or the convictions that we have regarding everything that's going on in the world. Spend five minutes with me, you'll hear some convictions and thoughts. Spend five minutes with you talking, we'll hear some of your convictions and thoughts, and we're all going to be all across the board. Now, having strong opinions and missions are not wrong. But these other things are not to be our primary focus and the mission of our lives, because our DNA is different. Our marching orders are different than those of people in, in the world who do not know Christ. If we are Christians, if we are Christ followers, followers, our primary mission is the gospel. We are to be gospel-obsessed people, living in the daily grace of the gospel and sharing it through our lives and through our lips with those around us. That is what we ought to be posting about. That is what we ought to be sharing. That is what we ought to be putting our likes on. Will you share this service? Will you share this wake-up call for the church? Or you don't want to take that stand for Christ? Will you stand for Christ in these days? Will we be gospel-obsessed people? Are we going to be obsessed with money? Or are we going to be obsessed with, with all the other things that, that, that crowd our lives? You see, folks, there's something far worse, far worse than COVID-19. Far worse than what we're seeing through Black Lives Matter. So, so far worse than this cancel, this cancel culture that we're seeing. It's a virus of sin that leads to death and eternity in hell. Way more serious. Way more eternal. And we have all been infected and affected from this virus of sin. And there's only one cure. There's only one cure. There's only one answer. And it is Jesus. Sure, we can have all of our convictions and our views. Yes, we can have our interests and our dreams and our desires and our passions and our goals and our dreams. Yes, yes, yes. But first and foremost, it's about seeking Christ first. Seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness. In Luke and in Matthew, Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you must take up your cross. And in Luke it says, take up your cross daily and follow me. We are to surrender ourselves, surrender our goals and our dreams. We are to surrender our lives daily to Christ. And what he gives us back, we are to, to go out and we are to live. We are to follow his marching orders. This is our mission. This is what we are to be steadfast, immovable in. This is what we are to be always abounding in. And yet we so oftentimes drift, don't we? We drift in our thinking, we get clouded in our thoughts, our vision gets distorted, we become disoriented in why we are even here on this earth. You see, folks, as we head into the fall of 2020, the mission marches on. And I trust in your homes, wherever you're watching this, if you're watching in a restaurant, if you're outside, wherever you are, I trust that you yell a great big amen at this point. The mission marches on. And we are called to reorientate our lives around God's mission. This is what he calls us to do. And please know this. Here at Hope Bible Church, here in the Okanagan, church and ministry leaders, before I went away on holidays, while I was away on holidays, and now as we continue on, our leadership is laboring hard, thinking creatively, praying expectantly on how we can see God's mission march on this fall. 
And I believe we grab hold of this. We grab hold of God's word and are filled in the power of the Holy Spirit and we live this out. This could be the most fruitful season in our church's life where some churches are kind of batting down the hatches and just waiting to be able to meet again or waiting for, for, for restrictions to lift. The church marches on. God's mission continues on. And so we need to pray for ourselves. We need to pray for one another. And would you join us in this mission? It's not just about sitting on your couch. It's about getting off that couch and serving the Lord and looking for ways to roll up your sleeve and join him in the mission. On the workplace, in the neighborhoods, in our church, wherever we go. But here's something else. We need to stand firm. The mission marches on, but we also must stand firm. And we're going to dig into this because it's important we stand firm and we stand firm in the right things. A few weeks ago, this statement, standing firm, just continued to keep resonating. And so a few weeks ago, I started reading and, and, and looking up the different passages in Scripture, using a concordance, using some search engines to, to find Scripture verses that, that, that speak to the word stand or stand firm or to hold fast. And on the screen are, are, are just a number of those. I took those and I wrote them down in my journal. And some of them just resonated just in some incredible ways. And, and, and there's just a reminder in there that we stand firm in faith that is God who held, holds us, who enables us to be able to stand firm. And other verses there, and there's more that we didn't take to list here, but in Ephesians chapter 6, we see this encouragement, this command, and we see how we are to stand firm. And so in Ephesians 6, I hope you have your Bibles open and you have a pen because you should underline some of these words in here as God speaks to you and as I encourage you to, to, to write down some of these words. Finally, it says in verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You only have limited strength. But in the power of his might, in the strength of his might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, underline that, be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Folks, listen up. Listen up right where you are right now. Okay, just, just, just stop the chaos wherever you're watching. Get the kids quiet. You need to understand this, okay? This is so important. There are spiritual forces led by the devil. Listen. Whose aim it is, even at this very moment, to distract you, at this very moment, for you, desires for you and for me to fall. They want our minds, our hearts, our marriages, our children, your grandchildren, relationships. He wants our church to fall. He wants to, to work at us, to bring us down. And he will use all kinds of tactics, all kinds of flaming arrows, whether it's be guilt or, or, or shame from the past or worldliness and temptations or, or just bad decisions or, 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 or bad friendship groups or distractions or, or sin or division. There are various forces at work led by the devil to destroy you and to bring you down. And there's no way that you and I can stand in our own power, in our own strength, in our own ideas, in our own ideologies and philosophies. You're weak. It has a limit. But we can turn to the God who is limitless. No mental or physical fortitude will be able to cause us to be able to withstand the attacks of the enemy. But here's how we're to stand. Look at verse 13. Therefore... Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, there's that word again, in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, 
So we do all that we get to stand firm. It goes on, verse 14. Stand, therefore, fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish half of the flaming darts of the evil one. No, is it half? No, wake up, wake up. It's all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer, all supplication, and to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We don't stand in our own power and in strength. Here is God is saying, stand firm in me. Here's how you will stand firm. This is how you will face the onslaughts that you're facing currently or what is yet to come. Turn now in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4 as we look at another passage and want to zero in on this for a few moments. As we, as we see a call here by the Apostle Paul yet again to stand firm. And here he's speaking very directly to a church and I believe this church can have some similarities to where we're at even today. Here the Apostle Paul is in prison in Rome. He's writing to the church in Philippi far away and he so lo- loves the people, so longs for the people and he wants to be with them but he can't. He's in isolation. He's in prison. And it's interesting, the book of Philippians is oftentimes referred to, yes, a prison epistle as he's writing in a prison, but it's also oftentimes referred to as the epistle of joy. Here he is in prison, he's in isolation, he doesn't have freedom, and yet he is filled with joy. And what is so much of his joy is, it's in the gospel, it's in the mission, and it's in the people of God. And he's writing to these people who he loves so much. You see, the church, the Christians that were in Philippi were being bombarded by outside and worldly pressures, persecution and struggles. But then they were also facing division from within. And Paul is calling them to come together. And here he says, we're going to see in these verses, in verses 1 and 2, he's going to call them to stand firm. Look at it in verse 1 of Philippians 4. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. And then he goes on in verse 2. I entreat you, Yodia, and I entreat you, Syntyche, to agree together in the Lord. In verses 2 in these two verses, we can see three areas where we are to stand firm. We're going to look at them quickly here today. First of all, we are to stand firm in the Lord. Look at that. It says, stand firm thus, I love that word, thus, in the Lord. Are you standing in the Lord today? Have you taken a stand for Jesus Christ? If you have not done so, I need to warn you of this. It means that you are right now and will be for eternity separated from a relationship with God. And you do not want that. You do not want to spend eternity separated from God in hell. And if you have never stood for Jesus, if you have never stood firm in the Lord, you can do that today. You can do this By believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross. That he came to this earth, lived a sinless, perfect life. And even though he lived a sinless life, he did nothing wrong. He he paid the price for our sins when he died on the cross. Because you and I have all committed sins against a holy God. Against a perfect God, as well as against other people. And he will forgive us. His sacrifice on the cross cleanses us. And by believing in faith that he rose from the dead, declaring victory in that death over, 
or in that resurrection, declaring victory in his resurrection over sin and death, he has made a way possible for anyone, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord to stand in eternal life forever in heaven. And you do this by turning from self and from sin and putting your trust, your faith, your confidence in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is how you initially stand firm in the Lord. And when you do that, you live there. You continue to stand firm in Him. But it's hard, isn't it? It's a battle and it's a struggle. But when we do, and as we stand firm in the Lord, it will translate into actions and into areas of obedience in our lives that we see outlined in God's Word. And one of those first and one of those initial steps of obedience of standing firm in the Lord is baptism as a believer. That once you have committed your life to Christ, you are to be baptized upon confession of your faith in Jesus Christ. And it's a beautiful symbol. It's a declaration of our faith, our trust, and our willingness to obey Jesus in following his example in baptism and we following in the same way. We would love if you have not yet been baptized since becoming a believer in Jesus Christ we would love to be able to possibly baptize you next Sunday. If you have not been baptized, you need to let us know right away. Fill out an online connection card right after the service, or maybe even right now. Some of you should do it right now. You need to do it right now and say, I, I've been putting this off. Delayed obedience is disobedience, and it is a way that you are not standing firm in the Lord. We are to stand firm in obedience. We can press on to other passages like Galatians 5, where it teaches that our standing in the Lord, when we stand firm in the Lord, it will, it must, it has to result and reveal itself in the fruit of the Spirit. And, and it will be evident. And sometimes the growth of fruit can be slow. And sometimes it can be difficult, and there's some difficult or some, some wintry seasons. But over the long haul in our lives, in the long haul in your life, are you growing in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? Are you standing firm in these truths? And, and the way in the language that we use to describe some of this action of standing firm in the Lord as a disciple and a way that we can encourage you and propel you in the way that you can evaluate your life in this is through the 5G life. And the 5G life, and, and, and I think there's a picture of it up on the screen, this describes a person who is a follower of Christ. A follower of Christ is someone who abides, connects, and shares. Abides in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Has committed their lives to Jesus Christ in the way that I just described. Who, who then connects and engages with other believers. We don't live in isolation. You are not to live an isolated life as a believer. There may be times or seasons because of things that we experience, but ultimately we are to be in community. And with technology these days, there's no reason for isolation. And also someone who shares, abides, connects, and shares. We share our faith and our lives with others. And, and, and as this continues in the 5G life, if we could just go back to that last one, you'll see then that there are different ways, different Gs or different, these 5Gs that we can live this out. And I'm going to explain them, but you kind of see them. We abide, we connect, we, we share, and we're just going to work through these 5Gs now. The first one is God time, and you'll see them at the bottom of the screen. All of this is available online on our website as we describe in a greater way than I am in these few moments what these 5Gs are about. But the God time, an intentional pursuit of God daily, daily taking time in the word, in prayer, in worship, in fellowship, in relationship with God, how important that is. 
gather time. The second one, a love for God's family in gathered worship weekly. This has been kind of hard and awkward lately, hasn't it? Yet, this is why we have encouraged you so strongly, because we believe in this value. This is why, as soon as the pandemic hit, we said, hey, still, Hope Church, 9.30, Sunday mornings, gather online. We can't be together physically, but at 9.30, we're going to join in virtually on Facebook, on YouTube, wherever, that you, wherever you, are that, that, that you are that day to join in together, be in the online lobby. I don't do technology that much. What if your life depended on it? You would probably then take whatever technology and learn whatever you would have to and, you know, push the buttons and, and all of that. Your spiritual life and your family's spiritual life require and at times depend on this community that we gather together, that we're in community with one another. And so that's why we have made a big deal about, about this gather time still on Sunday mornings at 9.30. And it was so great to visit and be able to worship together and celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Last week, we're looking forward to this next Sunday. Sign up Wednesday morning. Who's going to be the first to sign up? 9 a.m. Let's go. Let's fill up those sites. If we have to add three services at some of the sites, we'll do it. We want to meet together. And then later on, that picnic in the park. Again, fellowship and, and gathering together with the bo- body of Christ is so important. And I know what some of you might be saying, well, you know, it's a lot easier to just watch online. Yes, it is. In your PJs and with your bedhead, for sure it's much easier. But gathering is an important part of the mission, about us marching on this mission for God together. You see, and, and the mission isn't always going to be easy or convenient. I like what Pastor Scotty Smith said. Some, follow him on Facebook. Some of you need to stop following some of the sites that you are following and follow some good, godly pastors. Follow Pastor Scotty Smith. Here's what he says. A few reasons that corporate worship is commanded and critical for our, for our spiritual health. Number one, he said we are insufferably self-centered. So true. Second of all, it is together with the saints that we experience the multi-dimensional love of God. And thirdly, it's a public declaration of the we-ness of, the gos- of gospel spirituality. That's from Pastor Scotty Smith. Follow him. And this quote has been rolling around in my head. And I encourage and challenge you with it. The danger of missing church is that soon you won't miss it anymore. And I'm hearing of this over and over again. Yes, even in the life of some of the folks in our church, but I'm hearing this across Western Canada, across Canada. Complacency and distractions. First of all, you're like, yeah, I'll watch Sunday morning. Oh, I got other things I can plan. I can watch church later on. Yes, I can do it online that way. Oh, I don't need to go physically to gather anymore because I can just gather online with my, myself or my family and, you know, worship together that way with, you know, virtually whatever it is. Not when there's opportunities to gather physically and you're able to do so. Take advantage of that. And I trust we'll talk more about this next week about this gathering. I believe this is so important. Yes, it is easier to watch online and sometimes it is necessary. But it's never and not to be a replacement for the long term. Young families, I want to talk to you directly. Parents with young children, we welcome you on Sunday mornings to our physical gatherings. Sadly, at this time, we're unable to offer childcare just facility-wise and just guideline-wise. It would just be too difficult. And we understand, yes, there will be noises. 
and there will be distractions. And no matter how hard you try to take care of your kids and how much you try to shh them, that's okay. You say, but I won't get anything out of it. And others won't get much about, get, get much about or, or out of the service either if my kids or the kids are being so distracting. Yeah, you may not get a lot of, out of it, and maybe some of the others will be distracted. But we can, and you can, and all of us can go home later on and watch it online. It's all available. And we're able, and, and we should be doing that anyways, because God's word is so, so rich, and, 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 and these truths are so amazing. We need to, to continue to keep pouring ourselves over Bible preaching and teaching. And so join us. It's important that you gather together. You see, kids, they learn not just by what is taught, what they are told to do. It's even more, in, it, it, it's in what they catch. It's what is, it, what is caught. For them to see you prioritizing, scrambling, to get out of the door because you haven't been doing it very much on a Sunday morning to, to have to do it, and prioritizing time to gather with others, people of all ages, to gather weekly, to grow together, to worship together, to come under the teaching, the authority of God's word together as the body of Christ, and they see a reverence and respect that there is for the gathering, for God's people. They start growing. This is the way you disciple. This is the way you teach and train your children. And this is the way those who do not have younger children can love and come alongside and encourage and bless. So sign up. We want to see you all there next week. The next G is group time. A commitment to consistent growth and accountability within a community of believers. Brett already talked about this in our announcements. We'd love to see everyone in a group. You need to be in a group. To see discipleship, accountability, and mutual care happening, you need to be in a group. And we encourage you. And more details will be coming in regards to that and how you can sign up. Another one, give time. A resolve to steward the gifts God has entrusted to you and to me. We are to steward them. That, God has, that we are to give God our first and our best. We are not to give God our last and our leftovers. Whether that be of our time, our talents, our treasures. And so sadly, the church of Jesus Christ has and is being robbed by us placing other things as a priority. And if we have time or money, talents left over, then we may consider it. God's mission marches on, and we are to be a giving people. Go time, to spend time annually, to spend time, spend time constantly seeing the gospel spread locally and globally. These are practical ways that we can stand firm, and more details on that online. I encourage you to look at that if you've never gone through that, or maybe you have and you need to just go over it again. But here's a second way that we are to stand firm. We're to stand firm in the Lord. But then here, the last one, I just have a couple more quick points. We're to stand firm in the fight for unity. Yes, we are to be fighters, and we are to fight for unity. Look at what it says in verse 2 of Philippians 4. I entreat Iodia and Syntyche to agree together in the Lord. Apparently, two ladies in the church in Philippi weren't getting along. And it was a big enough deal that the news got back to Paul and he wrote back to them and even mentioned them by name. This was a big deal. It was causing division. And when you think about it, much of the New Testament was written to keep the unity of the church together. There was persecution they were facing on the outside, but there was racial and religious tension between Jews and Gentiles and the religious leaders on the inside. 
and working and striving and fighting for unity in the church has been a challenge for 2,000 years, and it's a challenge even today. Within our church at Hope Bible Church, there's a huge spectrum of perspective and convictions regarding COVID-19, vaccinations, masks, U.S. and Canadian politics, among all kinds of other issues. And it's sad when these different views lead to arguments, unhealthy conversations, public dialogue, gossip, factions, hurt, and all the other sort of things that can go on. The discord that can, can be sown during this time. You see, folks, I believe that a healthy church will have people of varying views, opinions, and convictions. This means at times we will have some disagreements and at times some pretty major disagreements or, or, or various views that are very different on major issues. But just look at the disciples of Jesus Christ, this ragtag team. Here you had Matthew the tax collector, you had Simon the zealot. I mean, you couldn't have been more far apart, and yet what united them? Jesus and the gospel message. And today, Hope Bible Church, today is families. Today we are to unite around Jesus and the gospel message and his word. Jesus said in John 13, 35, he says, the world will know that you are my disciples. The world will know that you are my true church when you have a love for one another, even though you're different, even though you have different views and ideologies. We rally together around Jesus and the gospel and the word of God. When the world looks at us and they see the unity within this diverse family and they see how in humility we love and care and serve and forgive and worship the Lord together doing this despite our differences, that makes a powerful impact. And the last way that we can stand firm is by living for one another. Look at, at, at verse 1 again of Philippians 4. It just, it's just dripping, drenching wet with love. Therefore, my brothers, he sees them as family, whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I mean, it's just dripping and gushing with love. These people are beloved. They are his joy. They are his crown. A crown was something that was handed out to the winners of the race. The athlete, it was their gold medal. And for Paul, these people, standing firm in the Lord was his goal. It was his gold medal. It was his Stanley Cup. It was his Super Bowl. It's what he was going for. And Paul was living and serving and striving and suffering in prison. He was suffering for the gospel so that he could see men and women and boys and girls from all ages, from all spectrums, all races, standing firm, standing complete in the Lord together one day in heaven and united here on earth. May the same be true for us. Let's pray together. Before we pray, I just ask you to bow your heads. I just even wonder right now if you were to summarize your life if you were to do a quick examination, whose mission are you living for? Are you living for the mission of God or are you living for your own selfish ambition? What needs to be repented of in your life? What changes need to be made to reorientate your life around God's mission? You need to be thinking about that today and this week. Another question, where is your mission field this week? To whom can you serve and speak of the love of Christ to? Who can you invite to church next Sunday? Are you standing firm in the Lord today?
or is fear or sin or addiction or distraction pulling you away? God, I just pray that even in these moments now that we would repent of those areas that are pulling us away that are causing us to lose our grip on you. And God, would we repent and would we turn from that? Would we release it to you and ask you to forgive us and would you renew your church today? God, I pray that in all that we would do, it would flow out of a heart of love and worship and thankfulness for all that you have done. Oh God, I pray that we would be gospel-obsessed people, gospel-obsessed to share it, to live it, to, to experience it daily, freshly in our lives, and, and out of that overflow would we horizontally share it with those around us. And God, I pray that even in the hard times and even in the confusing times, we would worship you, that you would even meet us in living rooms, on back decks, wherever we are gathering today. God, I pray that we would worship you in the hard times and the difficult times and that ultimately we would stand firm when we would stand for you, knowing and and giving thanks that it's all because you ultimately stood for us. And God, I pray that we would be faithful to this mission. We would be faithful in that we would stand firm. Do your work in our lives, in your church this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.